Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. My guest today is Maddie Patterson, the wife of journalist Simon Patterson, but she's her own woman. She'll tell you that. Anyway, she wrote an incredible article about the Isle of Man TT, her experience there, her loss, and just her whole overall experience in the two weeks. It's fun. It's emotional. You'll have a great time. Enjoy my conversation with Maddie Patterson. Never change, BT, please. Never change. No, trust me, I'm not. Trust me, I'm not. I'm, I got no legal obligations anywhere, so I'm good. I can be myself now. <laughs> All right, we're going to have a good time. I can't wait for this one. One, two, three. Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. And let me tell you something, folks. You know, the wonderful thing about meeting people from the MotoGP paddock and just motor racing period, especially motorcycle racing, is you, you, you come across great people like my guest here. Now, I interviewed her husband now, and he told me about her. He goes, you got you to gotta get this girl on. She has a great story. So I talked to her, unbeknownst to me, this is during COVID, they finally get together, and I'd be damned if they're not married, but still, I can still say she looks beautiful, because she does. I got my guest, Miss Maddie Patterson. How you doing, Maddie? I'm so good. It feels so weird since we spoke. I feel like a lot has happened in the last two years. Oh, oh, oh my God. You have moved from Australia. Mental. Yeah, you moved from Australia to uh, now. Now you're a resident of Ireland. Yeah. So how do you how do you like uh, how you like Ireland? I love where we live. We live in the countryside. Like my life is so different, right? When I was living in Sydney after my accident, I used to have like a Harbour Bridge view. I was in 15 minutes of my office. I was living this city girl life, and now I work in and like I don't know if you remember what I told you, but I said. All I want to do is be a marketing and brand manager. That's what I'm going to go and do. And I went and did it and I happened to do it in MotoGP. And now I live in the countryside in Ireland with my dog who's sitting over there and my donkey. And, and your it's donkey. Like, what, what is it with you and donkeys? What is it? What, is it because you're both stubborn? Is that why? <laughs> Maybe. I don't, you know what? I found her. She was an abandoned donkey. I found her around Christmas time, a couple of weeks before Christmas. And she's just become my best friend like and it sounds ridiculous but because I travel so often I'm actually not in Ireland a lot so I don't have a lot of friends in the area so I'll wake up in the morning I'll put the dog in the Volvo we'll go for a drive we'll go for a walk and on the way back we'll go to the donkey and she's she's like a big dog she's just a big dog I swear like same personality she's an absolute cow at the best of times though seriously um, she reminds me a lot of me, but she's just my little, that's my pet. I don't know. She who, just came into my life. Who abandons a donkey? I mean, it's not like a dog or a cat where you find in, in the country. Who abandons a donkey? I mean, seriously, like, uh, you know what? I'm sick of this goddamn donkey. I'm, I'm leave it here and hopefully a good home. I mean, it's not like a dog. We get a dog, oh, doggy. And you get, you know, get it shots and he can live with you. A donkey is like, it's a donkey. So like, I mean, where do you put it? I think it was it was actually quite sad because she was she's 27. So she's the same age as me. She's not young and they live till they're like 50. But the owner of the donkey was like quite an elderly guy. Oh. You know, all of his killed children had grown up and moved out of home. And I kind of just went to, to his door one day and said, can I can I just have your donkey? <laughs> he was like, yeah, I would love that. I would love someone to take care of them. So that was how we acquired a donkey. And you went up to me and said, hey, can I ride that donkey, donkey, can I ride that donkey? Do you remember oh, that song? Do you remember that luck. song? She would never let me on her. She would never let me ride her. Good luck. But do, I can try. But I'll you, try. Do you remember that song, though? Do you remember that song? It's, yes. From, from the club days? From your clubbing days? 
I'm still in my club days, BT. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I, still I, thought, in my club days. I thought since you were married, I thought, you know, you're like, you know, you, it, those, those days are over now. I thought so. Just ask all my friends at TT if those days are over. Seriously. Oh my God. Like I, I'm on like a complete detox. I'm never drinking again. I, I don't know. I say that with alarming regularity, but my problem is I'm such a social butterfly. No. So I can't say no. You? A social butterfly? Get out of here. Really? No. I know. No. Who would have thought? My favorite picture is the one of Simon's looking at his phone and you're looking at your phone. You guys are together. Like you're kind of touching, but you're not. And you're both looking at your phones. But in that photo is you, you could tell you guys are together and there's love. It's weird, but I could see love in that photo, but you guys are doing your own thing, but you're together. It's weird, man, but I love it. It's my favorite photo. You know what? In that photo, I was like, stress to the max what you can't see in that photo right and I've got like my Wellingtons on and I'm and the guy there was a guy sitting in front of me British guy really really nice kid he would have been about 23 24 and I'm sitting there tapping my leg like I could not keep my leg still because I was so worried and so like just concerned about what was going on it had been like a really hectic stress week and, and I was just like worried about my friends naturally, which TT does to you. And I, you know me, like I pretend to be really cool. Like everything's fine. If anyone can do it, Maddie can do it. Yes. As a result of that, all of my like emotions are deep in my stomach. I've not eaten. I'm so stressed. I'm so concerned and you cannot see it, but my leg is tapping nonstop. And Simon at one point turned around and was like, should we just go home? And I was like, no, no, we have to be here. I'm fine. I'm fine. And he was like, well, just chill out. Will you like, chill so it took me a bit of tt was it a bit of an adjustment and then he left he had to go to moto gp with the Magello. so i was yeah so the rest of the week i was just like why am i here <laughs> what, now that was your second time at, at uh at tt right yes okay yeah can you describe for my producer why and even me what is the appeal of G? And I think it's, I think it's, I really think it's a European thing. And I think you have to be from that area to really grasp just the, uh, the, the allure of, of TT. But if you, if you can describe it in your own words, what is the passion? What is the allure of the TT? And how would you describe it to us? I mean, aside from the fact that it's a really, really random like island in the middle of the Irish sea, that in itself is another kettle of fish. Um, you know, I, a few people have said that to me, you know, it's a British thing. It's a European thing. It's really not. The, the wonderful thing about TT is whether you're a competitor or a visitor, it is completely aspirational. And the point of TT is not, not everyone's going to be Michael Dunlop or Hickey, you know, not everyone's going to be those guys, but it's not about coming first, second or third if you're a competitor, because it's literally a race against yourself. It's a time trial race. Um, you know, if you finish within 110% of the winner, the race winner, you get a bronze replica trophy. And that's like saying you did this. Like TT is one of those things that even the greatest motorcycle racer would never do. You know, I don't, I don't imagine you'd ever see someone like Alicia Fargo giving that a crack. Um, and it is, it's the reason why it's so appealing is because outside of all of the excitement and its aspiration, it's dangerous. And we as humans just love to, we love to face danger and it wouldn't be what it is without that history of it. And it's sad. It's, it's, it's actually really sad in a lot of ways. Um, but that's kind of what makes the TT special. It's, it's anyone can do it. And when you walk away, you can say you did it and not everyone can say that they've done that. It's almost like, 
what a marathon or a triathlon is to some people almost in a way, yeah. but on two wheels, yeah. right? Yeah. But- and 130 mile plus an hour. <laughs> like, Yeah. Mental. But but you had mentioned. Totally mental. Like, it, and, and the weird thing about. No, no. For you, you had mentioned how you like you've always been known. You said to run away from things when it got tough. But for some reason, when it comes to motorsports and this, you have a sense of like this is where you want to be when it gets tough. Like it, like you have no problem with that, with facing your uh, the danger or whatever. And so instead of running away from your problems, when it comes to the TT or it comes to motorsports, this is where you want to be when, when it when it all when it all starts going bad. Yeah, I think I like the the piece that you're talking about that I wrote that you told me almost oh made you cry. Oh my god, that was and Hold on, let me tell you if you guys get a chance, please 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 read Racing Through Emotions: A Journey into the Heart of the Isle of Man TT because I mean, honestly, that was so beautiful. It was so well written and I mean, that hit me like a tunnel. I was like, "Holy shit." I mean, that was that was journalism. It really was. And and the to me, I think the icing on the cake and tell me and please correct me if I'm wrong. The icing on the, on the cake had to be when Max Oxley said, "Yeah, that was pretty good." So, Matt Oxley, like all of this aside, Oxo is my man, right? I drink regularly with Oxo. I talk about life with Oxo. So, when I wrote that, the first person I sent it to was Matt. I didn't send it to anyone else. And he just sent me three lines. He goes, there's two typos here and here. I love it. Well done. And if Matt just says something like that, then it's good, like, good, done, job done. And then I obviously had to go and edit it because he saw typos that I didn't. But that aside, um, that means, a lot. like, for me as a journalist, for me as a, a writer, that means a lot coming from Matt because he's he's lived it. You know, and I remember writing this piece. It was straight after the senior on the Sunday. Or was it the Monday? No. So I'd written most of this on the Sunday, hungover, naturally. No. Um, And the Monday (laughs) I'd finished it off. Uh, And it was published on the Tuesday. And I I remember writing it. And I still hadn't eaten at that point unless it came in like a pint glass. Um, (laughs) Um. it was just, it was just emotion. Like everything came out. And when I wrote that phrase, um, what did I say? Racing feels like I'm being pulled from one world to another. It feels natural to me. Wow. I've always just chin up and gone on with life, you know, and, and racing just gives me the, a place where no one else would. And, and I don't know why, I don't know why necessarily that is, but it just, it feels like home because no matter where I go in the world, there's something to win. There's something to do. There's something to compete for. And even in its worst moment, I don't feel like anyone's lost in that place necessarily. Like we're all lost together. Do you know what I mean? It's a really, I, I, it's a weird concept, but it just feels like home. You know, I, in a way, I, I, I know what you feel. I I, I want to say a little bit because to me, there's no place like a racetrack. And the only place I can say that, I mean, honestly, like I've been to Magello, which I thought was great, how beautiful it was. And I've been to Phillip Island. But for some reason, I just remember being in Jerez. And I remember it was a Sunday morning and I, it was the weirdest thing in the world. I came out of the, uh, the Urta van. And I was going to go uh, find a place to watch the warm-up, the morning warm-up. And the way the sun had came out from the clouds and hit the, and hit the stands and it just lit everybody up, 
I just started crying. It was the weirdest thing in the world, but I got so emotional. And I can't describe that feeling to anybody. It sounds weird, but it just like I turned and the way the, and the way the sun did and all, and all the people in the crowd were there. It just made me start crying. And it was the weirdest thing and in the you world. Know what, you know what that that you can define that as? What? Especially at Perth. Shine on you, crazy diamond. Like that is the, there's just, but it, it's the place. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. it, everything has this connotation. And that is like that, that track is famous for it. You know, that commentator made that song what it is at that track. And we still, you know, 30, 40 years later are still playing each journalist. I promise you on the way into the track every morning on a Sunday, we're playing shine on you, crazy diamond, because it just, it sets the tone for what you're doing. Honestly, you know, it sounds, I read that before, beforehand, years before I actually went to Hareth. So I got there and like a dummy, I had a hotel like about an hour away because that's, that's how I, I plan shit. So I got there, I got up at 4.30 in the morning, I got to the track around 6, about 5.45, okay? I said, you know what, I'm going to sleep in the car till about 7.30. I swear to God, as soon as I set my chair back, right, to take a nap, they start playing We Will Rock You by Queen, Full blast. And I go, okay, I'm up. And I, <laughs> I'm up now. <laughs> yeah, and I was up, and I was up at 6 o'clock in the morning going, God damn it. And, but you know what? It was the greatest up. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And I was into the mood. And people were lined up at 5.30 in the morning in her ref, lined up, ready to come into the circuit. And when it's that kind of passion, you're around that kind of passion, you can't help but feel it through osmosis. You know what I mean? And and yeah. I, so in a way, I understand, in, in the way I understand your feeling toward the TT, in a way. And I don't know what it is, but... I don't know if I want to experience the TT. Like, and it's weird because, you know, if something can happen bad, it's motor racing. So something can happen bad at a GP race. But for some reason, I go to TT. I don't know if I'm ready for that. You know what I mean? I don't know why. I think the, the, the how do I put this, right? If something goes wrong at TT, which it did, and you've read about it. And my one of my best mates said to me, I was waiting for the happy ending. And it was like a punch in the guts because the happy ending just didn't come in my story. Yeah, yeah. He, he said to me, you know, were people sad? And I was like, well, yeah, of course we were. But also, I hate using this phrase. I really hate it. But live by the sword, die by the sword. You know, it's it's almost like, for example, I don't know how to put it into words because it feels so opposite to what we as humans should do, right? We're, at, we're, we're innately wired to protect ourselves, to protect our family, to do things safely. We have that fight or flight mode. And then at TT, it's like there's only one mode and it's called selfish. And I think anyone who works in motorcycle racing as a whole will understand what I'm saying. It goes next level at TT. Like you have to be a really selfish prick, for lack of a better phrase, to get on a motorcycle and ride this 37-mile course. You have to be. Nothing else in the world could possibly matter for that 16 minutes per lap. Nothing else. Um and that's, that's the nature of it. And it, again, it's one of those, like, what am I running from? Why am I comfortable here? Why does it propel me into this world of like bliss? Is it because it's selfish? Probably in a lot of aspects. I'm definitely not a motorcycle racer by any means, but I'd like to think I'm a, a pretty good communicator. Um, and that's what TT is. And it's, you know, in general, like athletes are selfish people. Athletes at TT are a whole nother level and you have to be, it's just the nature of it. And I think in that selfishness, it gives you an extreme sense of freedom and that you, you, you can't get that kind of adrenaline from anywhere else. 
Wow. Okay. In, in what way does it give you an extreme sense of freedom? In what way? Well, I mean, it's like ecstasy. It's like cocaine. Like it's not good for you. <laughs> you don't even know, right? It's such a bad example, but it's I, the best I, one. I'm I don't know what uh, cocaine is like. I've never, but surprisingly, <laughs> no surprisingly, I've never done cocaine. Surprisingly, surprisingly. For an exa- for example's sake, <laughs> right? When it comes to cocaine, you might get a really bad bag. Really? And it might make you feel like shit, not the way it's supposed to. However, that will not prevent you from getting it again in the future if someone has it, even though your last experience might not have been great. It's it is it's just that's why I was so mature. I was so mature in my article and I said Colombian flu. I, said, I, got, I, really I was gonna ask you what that meant. What did Colombian <laughs> flu mean? I was gonna ask, I got it written down here. I said, by the way, what's the Colombian flu? Because it's different than the other flu. Why didn't you just say it was a metaphor for cocaine? <laughs> why did you, why so we're going you, on LinkedIn. I didn't want to talk about drugs on my like. No. I don't care. I talk, I talk about everything on here. Yeah, this on my LinkedIn. I'm like, hello, friends. <laughs> the Colombian flu. That was so slick. I literally was going. I never heard of the Colombian flu. That's how much of a. That's how much of a square I am. I go. What's the Colombian flu? I almost googled it. I almost googled <laughs> Colombian. I go. And I was gonna say, is that any different from COVID or <laughs> is that COVID or like? <laughs> <laughs> or like it's the just rec- addictive, or just it's the other just kind of flu. But okay. That's all it means. <laughs> okay. So, so you've had the Colombian flu before, huh? So, so you. Had- I can't say I have, but I imagine that it would be like a really bad hangover. God damn, Maddie, you are crazy, girl. You are crazy. Anyway, <laughs> I. I am a married housewife, okay? I am always on my best behavior. I'm Mrs. Patterson, okay? Like, don't don't get confused. I'm such a good girl in every way. Always have been. No, you 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 guys are to the point of honestly, I don't know. I get this every now and then. I every now and then I love how I love how I, I love how I move. I, I mean, I don't have any uh, obligations to anybody, whatever. Every now and then I get to this, I get lonely, and I, I kind of go, man, I kind of like somebody in my life. Every now and then, and then I you now shake it off, like, okay, I'm cool. And so I swear to God, like lately, it was like kind of like, man, I wish I had somebody to talk to. And for some reason, I know I was talking to you, and for some reason, I want to go to Ireland. Like, I want to go to Ireland. Uh, before, yeah. right, right before Silverstone, and I kind of want to go over there, and I go, you know what, me, I, yeah, me and the Irish get along great. Maybe I can find an Irish yeah. wife. Maybe, maybe I'll find an Irish wife when I go to Silverstone. You know? Oh, you don't, you don't want an Irish wife. Why is that? Why? Kick your ass in. They'll keep you in check. I swear. Like that, man, but that's what I need, Manny. You know, and that seriously, <laughs> my life is too easy going. I have no obligations. I come and go. I go to bed at three o'clock in the morning. Right, right before. Right after I, I drink coffee, I drink coffee and go to bed at three o'clock in the morning. I eat popcorn and coffee at one thirty in the morning. Why? Because I'm single and I have no obligations. So maybe that's what you're telling me. You've never done cocaine. It's I've like never, d- I've never done cocaine. I just, I'm, I get, I have a natural high. This is just natural. That's why I get on people's nerves. That's why I don't talk to Matt at Oxley because I know he'll be like, Oh God, BT, could you please shut the fuck up? <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's, that's why. No, I, no seriously, Matt is, he's so intelligent. I go, you know what? I'm going to leave him alone because I just know when like game recognized game and he's, he's nice to me. Don't get me wrong. He's nice, but I know I, I, it, it, I don't go past high and buy with him. No, I, re- I relate to where you're coming from though, because I get to a point where I feel like I'm a lot for people because I am 
like anyone who knows me knows I'm an eternal optimist, right? I can be at the lowest of the low. Yeah. I can tell you a few weeks ago I was, but I was like, you know what? It'll be fine. Everything will be fine. And I'm loud and I laugh and I'm, I'm my God, like in the media center, I am, people look at me and say, shut like Maddie, shut up. Like I can't contain myself. I'm just I, happy to be here. I'm the same as you. It's just, I don't look like you. So that way, you know, like I'm more annoying. Like, Hey, who's the dude? Why don't you shut the fuck You, you're beautiful. So you're like that. So you can be that way. And they go, Oh, who's the hot chick that won't shut the fuck up. Who cares? She's That's fun. Not true. That's not true. That I feel truth. like I'm a, a, a large hindrance in people's lives sometimes. No, like you're not. An unwanted distraction. If me and you walked in together and we were the same, they would escort me out with security and you'd be able to stay <laughs> and they go what's wrong with that guy I think he's got the Colombian flu I think he's got the Colombian flu we're gonna we're gonna lock him up for a couple hours and do a couple of blood tests don't look don't quote me on it right I was just making a really good connotation but I wouldn't have the faintest idea on where to get the flu all right like it's not my jam it's oh not I do space. oh I do I know where you hey listen I might not do the Colombian flu but I know where to get the Colombian flu <laughs> <laughs> I know people. I know people. But <laughs> but honestly, I really think I should get an Irish wife to keep me in check. I think they'd be great, you know? I really do. I mean, I, I wouldn't know I'm not Irish, but, you know. What, what, you're married to an Irish guy? Yeah. And, yeah. And what do you, he, he sent me a meme today that said something along the lines of, why did you marry such a strong-willed woman? And the response was, because someone needs to tell the waiter that I ordered, like, mashed potato. <laughs> And I was like, you're so weird. Like, for God's sake, man, ball up a little bit. Like, I love him to death, I do, but I'm so glad that we're having some time apart. It's been a full-on year of, like, us together every single day. But y'all so are so beautiful. Nice- no, y'all are beautiful together. I love watching how you guys operate. I mean, like, it's it's fucking, if you guys get a chance, you got to, like I said, that's my favorite picture of you guys. Like, you're in your own world, but you're still together, and it's so you. If you got to know you, if you, anybody who's know you, know you guys knows that, is you and it's so beautiful. Yeah. I love watching you guys. I really do. I think it's beautiful. So I'm gonna get me an Irish wife. Maybe I think it's um, during you Silver. Live next door to us. The house next door is for sale. So why don't you pop on over? Now, wh- wh- where in Ireland are you? Where are you in Northern or where are you? Where are you? Yeah, so we live in the north. We live close to Derry okay. in the north. Okay. Um, so we're about ten minutes from Derry, not far at all. About an hour and a half from Belfast and two hours from Dublin. Belfast was the greatest movie. Uh, of, of all, one of the greatest movies of all time. Did you see Belfast? I did. My best friend's little sister starred in it. It's one of the greatest movies. It really is. It's one of the greatest movies. And I mean, and you know what's great about the Irish is that they have a, is a congruency with like the Black Panther movement. And I, I love that. Uh, what's her? Bernadette Devlin. She... Yes. Man, I mean, she she was like one in one with the with the black pants. She knew what they were doing, and in 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 a way, she was doing the same way because she fought for civil rights in Ireland. Yeah. She was shot nine times in front of her kids and still survived. That's a tough woman. That's what I'm talking about right there. I think you know, moving to particularly the north, like I live in Northern Ireland, and it's um, it's a delicate line to walk sometimes. But I think most people will respect what I'm saying is when you're an immigrant to this place and you come from somewhere else in the Commonwealth or the Americas, it can be quite a confronting place to move to for, for a multitude of reasons. You know, people feel connected to where they come from and not everybody comes from Ireland in this part on, on the island. You know, it's, it's, it's very competitive. It's, it's got a very long and rich and, and sometimes troubled for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. troubled history. Um, and for me, it's been quite an experience moving particularly to the north and exploring 
all of those feelings because I think, you know, it's modern history here. Everything that Northern Ireland specifically has been to is modern modern history and it hurts people in a lot of ways and they're not very open necessarily to talking about their past because in a lot of ways they're still living it. And it's, and I think that's a fair call. I think anyone who's, who's hears that will understand what I'm saying, particularly as someone who's moved from Australia, like so far removed from the rest of the world. When you move to somewhere like this, it, it can be confronting to learn about all of these different problems that people have had and all of these arguments and, and it's quite heavy. It's quite, quite heavy and it's quite hard to learn to understand. And I think a lot of the time, you know, pain and suffering kind of gets misplaced in between it all. And yeah. even now in 2023, it can be quite a confronting conversation to have with people, um, which was hard for me because I like to know where I live. You yeah. know, I'm not, I just like to know history. I like to know where people come from and I'm never bothered about what's what or who's who and, you know, where they come from. Mm-hmm. Per se. I've just, yeah, moving here initially was quite hard for that reason, but now it's gotten a lot better because now I just kind of say things and people go, I'll tell you about that. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't fear asking questions anymore. Whereas initially it was quite as, it, that was quite difficult. Yeah. Um, which is understandable because it was, it was a hell of a place and it's been through a lot of shit. So to get to this level now, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's very different to Australia in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, the only similarity is I guess the accents because all the young Irish people have moved to Australia Yeah. and I'm just surrounded by people that are married with children. There's like no people my age around at all. <laughs> they all live in Sydney, I swear. <laughs> well, maybe that's good though. I mean, honestly, maybe that's good though for you, you know, being around people your age and, and you get to kind of settle in, you know? <sighs> boring. It, it is, but the, thing about, but the thing about that being boring is that when you go to like a weekend of GP or with TT, you get to, it's almost like you're working, but like a working vacation in a way. And then that way you go back in yeah. and in life. So yeah, it's good for you. Yeah. You as long ba- as people, if people stop asking me when I'll have a child, that would be great. Oh like, God. It's got, uh, that it's, it's got to get old. I mean, luckily for me, yeah, that never comes now. I mean, they, they know. I mean, it's done. It's a done deal. It's, a it's done. like a constant, constant. And like my family's Hungarian as well. It's like my, my mother's side of the family is Hungarian. I'm going to see them next fortnight in Budapest. And I tell you what, like, very similar culturally, like family is the center of, of life, you know, right. when are you having a baby? Oh my God, you're getting old, Maddie. Like you need to think about these things and you should my, like, come on. You, he needs a cousin. He's two years old. Now like, I talk on a regular basis. Oliver is two. He needs a cousin. You need to work on this. And I'm like, my baby comes in the form of motorcycles. Yes. Yes. No one, no, no one understands. It's almost like the movie, uh, purple rain. Nobody understands us, but us. And that's the truth. You know, I mean, it's like when I read your article about the TT, like I said, I, I related that to my experience with Hareth. It's like, no way, nobody understands us, but us. That sound like we could be talking now. And if we hear, Ooh, we both stop and say, what kind of bike yeah. was that? You know what I mean? Like if I'm, I'm in acting class and a bike goes by, I'm like, oh God. And I got to look and they all know. It's just who we are. The one of the greatest scenes of the greatest motorcycle movie ever was this movie. Um, it was based, I think it was, it was a French movie. This guy was trying to be a professional motorcycle racer and he had, he had to help his ex-girlfriend out by running drugs between France and Amsterdam. And he was tired. And at the end of the movie, at the end of the movie, after, you know, getting involved with gangsters and everything, He's talking to his girlfriend and trying to get back together. They're at a restaurant. He's looking her in the eye and, you know, it's kind of love talking. All of a sudden, he hears a, 
and he has to look away and see what kind of motorcycle it is. <laughs> and I go, you have to know that life to, you know, to live it. And where are you going? Bathroom? No, no, I'm here. I'm what, here. what happened? My dog wanted to go out. My mother-in-law just got home. So obviously he's like, hello, will you feed me? Sorry. I, I thought you just walked out on me. It's, it's like being in, I would never just walk you know what it's like? It's, it's, it's like being in uh, uh, Austria. You've been to Austria. Uh, it, uh, seriously. That's what they do. When you can't speak Austrian, they literally turned around and walked away on me. And I thought that's what you were doing. Don't worry. Don't worry, BT. I understand you through your accent. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You're just American. It's fine. You know what? I can't say shit else. I can't say shit else. I love you. Good, 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 good. Well, I'll tell you what. Tell me, walk me through the TT. Walk me through your two weeks. Walk me through it. The first day, your first day, you're getting in. Because, I mean, I can relate that to, to GP. It's like I'm sorry. And you said that you were giddy. You were you had that little, like, the butterfly feeling. So what's it like when you get the TT? Walk us through it. Um, <laughs> TTs, are, I've... It's like I said, right, my first TT, and I really say it when I mean it, I wish I could have my first one again because I didn't know anyone, mm -hmm. and that was beautiful. I really got to enjoy it as a spectator. This year, you know, in, in the course of the last 12 and 18 months, I've made a lot of friends and a lot of different industries, and I think people who know me know, like, I I care. I really care about people, and even if there's nothing I can do, I always feel like there's something I can do, so... For me, walking into the paddock this year, I kid you not, I was messaging everyone I know, like, where are you? What's your tent number? I'm standing outside your 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 truck. Like I was sending a photo to a friend, like, where are you? I'm here. Mm -hmm. And that like filled me with this joy because practice week is fun. Practice week is very, it's a little bit more relaxed. You know, they're just going out, they're getting a feel for it. They're getting their laps in so they know what they're doing. Um. So I was really giddy and I was, you know, messaging people like Dom Herbertson, who I love. I adore Dom. I'm like, where are you? He's just the sweetest boy, Newcastle he's from. And then Rennie Skaysbrook, obviously, like a fellow Australian who lives in California. So I was like, mate, I need to see you. And that turned out to be like a whole nother thing throughout the week. But I'll let him tell his own story with that. But it was just, you know, these are my friends and I care. I really care about them. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was day one, walking in to see everyone. And the first thing that I think happened was I went to see Rennie and he was with his friend Oscar, who's from Metzler Tires. And he was like trying to staple or whatever it was, put a, a sponsor badge on his shirt. So I was like, I'll fix it, which is in my nature. I'm like, I'll do it. It's so like pin this little sponsor badge on, I'm like off you go. And that was that. And then, you know, Davo Johnson, obviously another Australian, the first, one of the first people I saw on stage. And then I like yelled out to him when he's on stage and he's like, Hey, I know her. <laughs> so you just, you create this collection of really selfish motorcycle racer friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for some reason I kind of fit into that world to some degree. I don't know why, but I just do. And I feel comfortable there. It feels happy and safe. Um, and as the week progressed, you know, I was doing a couple of different things. I was out on track with a couple of my friends who work at FHO Racing, getting them some content. They're my best friends. One was my maid of honor. So we Wait, were who? out there. And who, 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 was it Maria? Rebecca Sims. No, Beck Sims. So Beck Sims is the press officer for FHO Racing. Okay. And she was also like my bridesmaid and I, I just fondly call her my bitch. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. We, we've always said her husband is like my brother, literally. He's yeah. such an idiot. You put him and I in the room together and it's like, 
two children. Yeah. It's just chaotic. It's yeah. not good. And um, Bex and I have always said, like, if we ever get divorced, then we're keeping each other. Like, forget the men. <laughs> we'll be fine. No one else matters as long as I've got Bex. It's fine. That's beautiful. <laughs> and I think Simon would agree. Simon understands that too. So he's, you know, no pressure. Yeah. It's, um, is it yeah. What? I mean, practice week was fun. I went out. I was a marshal. That was awesome. What is it about you and getting the trophies from everybody? Every it's like, no matter where you go, you always get trophies. I'm like, how are you doing this? How, seriously, you get trophies from everybody and you take pictures. How are you doing this? What are you doing? Do you know, do you know what I found out about that trophy? What? It's insured at upwards of a million pounds. And they just let you hold it willy nilly. So the man who looks after the trophy is a lovely, lovely man named Lloyd. And everybody knows Lloyd. That is his job. He is the man who takes care of the trophies. It's a big job on the Isle of Man. Yeah. And I was standing backstage um, because I was going to get some debriefs from Hickey, I think it was. I was just going to have a chat to him because I was with Bex, his press officer. And Simon, of course, was there. And I said, oh, do you think he'd let me, do you think Dunlop would let me hold the trophy? And Simon was like, no, absolutely not. And then Lloyd, who knows Bex and knows Simon and knows everyone, was like, do you want to hold it? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, there you go, just hold it up. This man wears white gloves to handle this trophy, like to put it into perspective for you. Like he takes immaculate care of this. He's like, yeah, hold it up, take a photo. And as I'm taking a photo with this trophy, Dunlop is walking off the stage and my face has gone from like smiling to like, uh -oh. <laughs> shit, here we go. <laughs> he looks at me and he's just laughing. And I was like, I swear I'm not stealing it. He goes, you're stronger than you look. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> Michael Dunlap, the man just started like, that's beautiful. Beautiful. It was, it was cool. It was just, but that, again, that's like TT, you know, to an extent, everybody, there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of happiness in it. It's not the worst place you could be. It, it's not like this it's not as refined as MotoGP. That's a really good way of putting it. It's a far more relaxed and sort of happy environment in a lot of ways because it's not about refinement. It's really raw in every way. Now, but do you feel though, like as as it goes on, do you feel that in the air that little maybe tension coming because maybe you know it's time for it's time to risk race time whatever and we know what happens. So as do you feel that in the air like okay they're you know it's starting up and it's you hear you hear the town you hear the boop 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 and they start and no matter where you're I, at you know it's happening. Do you feel that? I, I do and I feel I don't. It's a really weird thing to describe to people because I'm not a racer. So I can't tell you what any of the competitors are feeling, but I can tell you what I felt because so many of them are my friends. Yeah. Um, and when I say I didn't eat for a week, I swear to God, I did not eat any food. And why is that? No, why, no, why is that? Are you nervous about watching that and what could go wrong? Or do you, or are you just, are you just in, in your nerves? I just. Like, why, why can't you eat? I think I'm the kind of human that forces myself to feel things in order to not avoid them. <laughs> um, and to, to a certain degree, it's a, it's, it's a type of love. It's a type of love that you have. You have this love for these people and you just, you care, you know, and, and aside from the, the caring about them on track, you're also wanting the best outcome in timing and you want them to feel good when they get off the bike and you want to, you just want to like hug them and say like, yeah, you did it. Like yeah. it's, the, it's all of that. And, and it just kind of, 
I don't know how to explain it, but it's just all of my emotions buried itself in my stomach. And the, you know, as you know, I have a habit of talking to anyone who will listen. So in the evenings I was out having a drink with random strangers because that's exactly what you do. And I was with my friends and whatnot, but I just, the, the feeling for hunger was not there because I was so hyped up on nerves and excitement and I, I don't think it was excitement I can't say it was excitement I was actually not that excited about it yeah but I just wanted the best for all of my friends you know that's all I wanted I just wanted everyone to have a good time and and that was I think after the Wednesday that was probably when that got really difficult for me but again like I'm not a competitor so I can't tell you what they're feeling per se but I just know that I I think I like to pretend that I'm a lot tougher than I am, Mm -hmm. but actually I care really deeply and I care about results and I care about personal success. So you mask it. And and so that's, that's your, that's your masking. Cause some people, and that's what they do when, you know, you see it like say my dad, for instance, he always act like he was a tough guy and this and that, but in, but when you break him down, man, he always cared for us so much. You know what I mean? It's like, it's hard to describe, but yeah, he was some. His bark was my, uh, much worse than his bite because he he didn't like to go there. So he figured if he talked loud and got in your face, then he, that was better than actually putting his hands on us. You know, like he sounded like he was, yeah. a, a, but he was actually a big teddy bear. So yeah, I get that, and that's how you have to. That's how you have to mask things sometimes. You know, like sometimes everybody deals with things differently. Some people laugh it off. Some people act like it didn't happen, and you know, it's like when you're around that environment, like. I don't know. I always like to watch just the the genesis of everything happening. Like I love getting there early and hearing. I don't care how early you get to a place or a motorcycle paddock. There's always somebody warming a bike up. No matter how early, it's yeah. always a whoa, whoa. And I go, how is this possible? It's seven thirty and the gates are locked. And all of a sudden you're a whoa, whoa. And it's always that and you smell it. And I always want to watch the the rider. Like this is the genesis of a rider getting ready from him putting the boots on. And then putting the letter and then that zip up and then just like, you know, that, 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 okay, we're ready to go now. That to me is my favorite part. I call it the Shankalankly part when they're getting on the bike and, and they get off the, you know, when they get that last kind of like this and the visor goes down. Yeah. That is the greatest moment to me ever. Cause it's, that's, that's when you know it's time. You know, and I got a and I got a feeling that that's the way it's got to be for you when you're there at the TT, because like I said, it's more like a, you know, there's tents and there's and it's it's a, a different environment, but it's still a racing environment. So you smell that and you see that those guys are walking around you and then your friends. So you're more actually closer to them than people are a GP. So do you feel that also? I'd say so. I think like for me, particularly when it comes visor down, right, that the fundamental difference between something like TT and MotoGP is they all start individually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's really nerve wracking, right? When you're standing on the grid, I was standing with my friend Lewis um, and I'm so glad he was there because first of all, he's like twice the height of me so he can film everything. I love Lewis. And yeah. secondly, yeah. I need something yeah. to hold on to. Like yes. I'm, I am, I don't, I can't explain to you why exactly I was such a wreck that week because I'd never in my own racing career, I've never been like that ever. And, you know, I manage children. I manage children in BSB. I I help them regulate their emotions. I'm their like big sister. I help them get sponsors. I help them sort of navigate being a young adult. Yeah. And then here I am, a 27-year-old woman standing on the start line going, oh, me. I 
and not, I don't know why I was like that. I've never been that way. But looking back and when I was writing my piece and really like giving my emotions the time of day, mm. it's it's that singular star, right? It's one by one. It's separated by 10 seconds. And it is that fear of the unknown. And I think, you know, Faye Ho, Faye Ho went on television and said like, well, I don't have any nerves. I'm fine. Like, that's great for you, Faye. With all respect, like how? Yeah. How are you doing that? Like I'm beside myself and I don't know why. I, I, it, I mean, I do know why. It's just from a, a place of care and that, that's all it will ever be. But it was just hard and it's, it, it gives you a, it's not a bad feeling right but it's a very different feeling of anticipation because in moto gp they all start at once and they go there's lots of runoff there's it's, it's a closed circuit they're going to be back in two minutes the mm-hmm. race is going to be over in 45 yeah but in this kind of start it's like one by one you just see them jet down this hill all the way down bray hill and like bumping away it's it's insane complete insanity and i will go back and i will do it again and i almost feel like for me to be able to go back and do it again, I had to feel all the crap that I felt this year to know that that's what I'll feel like again in the future and how to handle it. Cause I was not also, I was alone. Like my, my husband wasn't there. And as much as I bang on about like, you know, I'm not just my husband's wife, which is completely accurate. I'm a whole person yeah. that aside, he's also, you know, my emotional confidence right. sometimes. Of and course. when he's not, not there I tend to do things like drink a little bit more or make some you know not wise decisions because I'm having fun right. in, in the sense that he's not there right and because I'm stressed I'm like yeah what more gin and tonic that'll be great yeah for god's sake <laughs> so it's, it's 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 actually managing those kind of relationships and how you manage without the the people that are around you all the time and it it really it's it's a place in the middle of the Irish sea completely removed from the rest of the world. All they play is 90s Brit pop on Manx radio. Yes. It, it's 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 just, it's not like anywhere else. And again, like all that matters for that two weeks is racing. That's it. Nothing else can matter. And that's such a bizarre world to step into. There's really nothing like it. You know, even the Northwest 200 doesn't have that, yeah. near the same level of, like, anticipation that TT does. I don't know if you want to walk through it, but can you tell me about uh, Raul Torres? I mean, I don't know if you want to go through that or go down that yeah, road. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, um, <laughs> that was, yeah, I think the, how do I how do I talk about Raul has been loved by everyone in that paddock. Raul didn't have a, no one could ever say a bad word about Raul. Like you, you just wouldn't, you know? And I met him last year. He reached out to me on Twitter and Simon on Twitter and said like, Oh, come and come and see my tent. Come and chat to me. You know, I'll do an interview with you. Motorcycle races. Yeah. Yeah. And then we saw him again at the Northwest last year. I think it was just before TT. We saw him at the Northwest. We saw him at TT. We saw him at the North. My mother-in-law saw him at the Northwest this year. And I had spent all of practice week looking for this guy, like all of practice week. And we'd been, you know, conversing back and forth. He's like, I'm doing this. I'm going in this race. I'm here. I'm there. And I was so just engrossed in whatever I was doing that I said, cool, I'll catch you there. I'll catch you there. And it's, it's such a 
weird, that whole day is just so weird to me because, you know, I had friends that had had a really good day, you know, they'd finished their race, they're, they're like, good, we've got two days off, we've reached our goals, like we've done this, I've finished and, and that's a, we were in a good mood. And I was going down to see either Rennie or Don, I can't remember, I was, I was walking through the paddock and as I was walking down, Raoul was walking out of the toilets and he saw me and he was like, Maddie! And I was like, Raoul! And I grabbed him for a hug and we were just talking about the TT and talked about um, the North Northwest briefly. He did like a little promotional gig at the Northwest and he brought up my mother-in-law because she had organised that yeah. at the time. Um, and I just remember saying like, okay, well, I've got to go. I'm going to Bray Hill. I'm going to watch your race with my friends. We're, we're going to be in the driveway across from, you know, we'll see you. Mm-hmm. And he gave me a kiss on each cheek and he just said, I'll see you tomorrow. And I said, yes, I'll come and find you to help him with that this year. Um, and kiss on each cheek, smiling. And I do this. I'm always, I skip, I run. You know, I mm-hmm. I don't know why. I jump when I go places and I kind of skipped, ran away and I waved back to yeah. him and he waved to me. Mm-hmm. And that was the last time I, that was the last sort of interaction we ever had. Um, and, you know, that evening we were watching the race and we saw the safety car go past and we saw the police car go past. And I think all of us in that space are well enough acquainted with the, the TT to know what that kind of response means. Yeah. Um, but you don't give it a second thought until you know. You know, until you know, you don't know. So you don't think about it. It's very much that that's the way of it. And then I got a phone call to say, like, okay, well, this is the case. This is what has happened. And I was in complete shock. I was like, no, it's not. How do you know that? There's no announcements. You're lying. You don't know that. It's a rumor. Shut up. How do you know? And it turned out it was true. Um, and upon hearing that, when I when I'm stressed or when I have bad news or bad things happen in my life, I, I just like to I I come back, but I just need to go. So I went for a walk, and I got I don't know half a mile away, a little bit more than half a mile, mm-hmm. and I walked back. So a mile later, I'm back at where I started, mm-hmm. and I remember telling my friends that it was just there was no air. There was no air. And and the thing is, it's not like any of us necessarily knew him like best friends or, you know, were going to each other's weddings or christenings or whatnot. But because the community is so small, you get to know everyone quite well. Right. And that was that was really hard. And I, I feel I felt horrible having to break that news because I felt like I was so unempathetic in the way that I said it. I just said he's he's died. It just slipped out, you know, in, in between one person telling me, thank you for all your help this week. There's me just going, he's, he's gone. And mm. that was it. There was no air in the room. Like it was just heavy. It was heavy. And then we had dinner. I went home, got up the next day and got on with it. And it sounds horrible. It sounds so horrid, but also that's, that's the way that this works. And, you know, when I think about Raoul, he wasn't a stranger to the TT. He'd been doing it for a long time. He's quite a renowned road racer. Um, 
he he knew you everybody knew everybody knows and it's painful and it's hard and it's not easy to talk about and I feel like in a lot of ways me talking about it will probably upset a few people because it's not something that's done I think to a degree even the piece I wrote upset a few people because it's not we're not why, We're not like that. Why did it? Why did it upset them? Like, why exactly? Why did it upset them? And what part of it did? I don't. I don't know personally, but I can imagine that it it would because it's it's uh, we don't talk, we don't talk about emotions. Well, we don't talk about it. it's it's and, and that's okay. That's okay. It's just a, it's the way that it the the TT itself. If something like that happens mid race week. It's such a demanding place that you have to move. You just have to move on with it. And it's really not until you've left that environment that you have the moment to process everything. And that can be quite hard. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and say, like I like I said, I was best friends with him or anything like that. I wasn't. But I know people in the world that were. And I can only imagine, you know, that took its toll on me emotionally. I can imagine what that must have been like for other people in the paddock and stuff. So it, it's... It's an interesting topic to talk about. It's we don't talk about it. We're not very. It's just, but we it, talk about it and we deal with it in our own space. It's a very odd. It's it is a very odd circumstance. But they have to know, and that's what comes with it. I mean, it, it is. And how people deal with grief is how they deal with grief. And whether you, it's not like you uh, desecrate his memory. You know, it's no. just it, no. it, nothing like that. I mean, uh, everybody and how people respond also is how they respond. So, you know, they have a right to respond how they want to. But at the same time, when I'm re when I read it, I was like, wow. I mean, it hit me because it's like, but there is a finality to it. It's like he's when, you, when Simon said he's gone. It's like, fuck. And it, it, it hit me. I was like, oh, shit. You know, and it's like even when I remember I remember when it happened, when I read it, I was like, God damn it. But at the same time, and this sounds so cliche, but it's the truth. It sounds so cliche, but you know what? He died doing what he wanted to do, what he loved to do. He knew the risk, and and that, and that sounds bad, but they knew, the, and they all do. But at the same time, hey, man, you're going to die anyway. You went, you went out doing what you want to do, how you want to do it, and God damn it, man, who can say they, they went out on their terms? You know, granted, yeah, it was an accident, exactly. whatever, whatever. But the same goddamn time, he did what fucking 95, 98% of the people in this world don't do. And that's going out, living the dream that he wanted to do. And God bless people like that. I mean, like, I mean, there's a certain, ah, fuck to it. But at the same, on the other end, I look at it like, man, that dude went out like a G, man. He did what he wanted to fucking do. The thing is, right, and it, it's, it just, I've said this before. And I, somebody, somebody said something a bit shit on the internet recently, and I, and I was like, "You're, you're an asshole, actually. You yeah. really fucking are." Sorry, um, but I, I made the point of, if you're going to do something, at least have the willingness to take your life into your own hands. And I think that again, right, when we come back to TT and why we keep coming back despite all of the dangers is we're selfish <laughs> like, and that's okay. It is, it is just a definition of selfishness, but freedom it's complete and total freedom. And it's horrible in a lot of ways. And yeah. it's horrible for the people that are around you, but 
in the same token, I don't think life would be the same without it. I don't think we'd do it any other way. You said it best in your great article. You said deep down you understand it can never be quite as extraordinary as that initial experience, but that won't deter you from pursuing it relentlessly. The enigmatic essence essence of what we seek, what propels us forward or drives us away remains shrouded in mystery. Nevertheless, the very pursuit of it, whatever it may be, breathes life into this place. This is the heart and soul of the TT. And that is what made me go motherfucker. And that's the truth. And I mean it. That's the truth. That's how you put it in there. And 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 how you how you process that, what you wrote is how you process that. But when you but to me, that was the bam explanation. Exclamation part, boom. And that's beautiful. And no. I can't believe I wrote that. I'm still like, I re- I reread it the other day. I'm like, did I really write this? Did they, did I do this? Oh my gosh. No, like, you did it and that's what a week. No, oh, that's beautiful. Man, I hate to end it. We we've we gotta wrap it up, man. We I know. <laughs> I, I feel like I could man, like we gotta have a part two and three and four. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Because I love talking to you. I don't care what your husband says. I love talking to you. Don't let him get jealous. I'm coming over to I think I'm gonna come to Ireland right. before I go to Silverstone. I'm gonna go to Ireland yes, before I come to Silverstone. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go look for a wife. I'm gonna get me an Irish wife so she can keep me in line. I mean, she maybe a little, maybe a little fair skin, but who cares? You know, I don't suntan, so she won't suntan, and we'll stay inside <laughs> together. <laughs> this was, this is a great, this is a great talk. God damn it, you're one of my favorite people in the world, Maddie. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. We'll definitely have a part three whenever you want to. I mean that. God damn it. This was beautiful. This was great. A great article. If you get a chance, read. I'll give you a- go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll give you the inside scoop. You'll want to talk to me 12 months from now. That's all I'm saying. Oh, uh, 12 months from now, you'll be like, Maddie, we need that part three. Like that's. Okay. Bet. And I'm only, I'm only saying this on a podcast that goes out to a lot of people to hold myself accountable. So just, just remember that 12 months from now. You'll be like, I need to speak to Maddie again. We will speak and work on getting me a wife over there. I don't care if uh, hopefully they're involved in motorcycles. <laughs> so <laughs> you work on. Oh, you don't really want to get married. Do you like marriage is just it's so much work. Honestly, I would love to be 19 years old again. The absolute menace to society I was. Oh, find I mean, out. I still am, but I'm married. So it's like, find yeah, out. It's mature. Find it's out mature who likes now. me over I'd there. Love to be nice. Find yeah. out who likes me over there, Maddie. Find out who likes me over there, and I'm coming over there. Okay, okay. Find say, do you like? Do you think this guy's okay? Yeah. Okay, great. And you find that, and then we'll all live together, like kind of like the Brady Bunch. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> okay. No, if you and I lived, if you and I lived next door to each other, that would be a recipe for disaster. Because it'd be like the to- like, with all respect, it'd be the token black friend and the Australian girl living in a small country town in Ireland. Like I don't know. Like do you know it would be a sitcom? It would be a total sitcom. There's only like 500 people in my town. We'll They're be- all related. Like. We'll- Except for me, except for me. We'll be on Netflix. We'll be on Netflix. It'll be a Netflix and chill kind of show. Listen, Manny, I'm up against it. I got to go, baby. You have been wonderful. I loved it. If you guys get a chance, please check out Maddie's article, the great article she wrote, Racing Through Emotions, A Journey into the Heart of the Isle of Man TT. You are going to love it. Maddie Patterson, damn it. I love you, baby. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. Anything else you want to say to these people before we get out of here? 
No, I'm all good. Just hold me accountable. That's all I'm telling you. I will definitely do that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching Tales from a Gemini. My wonderful, lovely guest, Miss Maddie Patterson. Thank you so much. Love you. Thank you guys for watching. And like we say about this time, you know the word. Peace.